episode today i want to talk about a topic that might be of some controversy as usual because that's what we like here we like to think um but yeah i don't have answers i just have questions so what do you guys think about the topic of you know how god is right so when you think about god right what god cares about do you believe in god do you believe in god and what's god like do you see like a big large santa claus looking you know long beard gray really long gray hair up in a cloud you know with a white glowing um something um according to the bible no one's really seen god according to the bible moses saw the hem of god um and Jesus heard the voice being while being baptized um I mean Adam and Eve heard God in the garden um after after they ate from the fruit. Um, but what's God like? So we get some clues through multiple stories. If we're sticking to the Bible stories. Multiple stories of what God is like. Right? Take the very beginning. The creation. You know, God seems to have some kind of knowledge, wisdom, expertise in creation and desire to interact with that creation. I mean, God was in the garden. He was interacting with Adam and Eve, interacting with the serpent, interacting, you know, on so many different levels from a distance even. But a lot of times one thing that you hear is you know this message that you gotta follow all these rules cause God needs you to follow all these rules or else you're gonna be at risk of eternal hellfire and damnation is that not the common message that gets preached I think it's more rare to hear a different loving message now when you think of it even if you look at the example of Adam and Eve right how many rules did they really have 
all the rules you see in Exodus, all the commandments and things, there was no real commandments. At that point, there was one commandment. You know, um, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was it. That one commandment. That was it. You know, for however long Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, there was one. Well, there were other commandments, I guess. No, I'm wrong at that. So there was a commandment. Um, I mean, God commanded everything into existence. And then he commands Adam and Eve, you know, to be fruitful and multiply. I think that's the first commandment that he gave. And um, they were informed that they shouldn't eat from that tree. Um, so, because that's what they were informed. It's either that's what they were informed or what Eve thought when she was talking to the serpent. Don't don't go near the tree or you'll die. I don't know which one God actually said. Because if that's her interpretation of what he said, I don't know where she got that from. Uh, was the serpent saying, you know, did God really say that you'll die? Um, or does he know that you'll be like him, knowing good and evil? Um, and so it's hard to tell, like, was there ever another conversation? Because it's kind of like, okay, like, don't go near the tree, don't touch the tree, or you'll die. Versus don't eat from that tree. Those are two different things. Um, but anyways... When you look at the very beginning, there really wasn't a lot that Adam and Eve had to really be doing, right? Even after they get cursed, there's the comment about, you know, how Eve is gonna, you know, have the, you know, the the pain of women and all that kind of thing, um with childbirth and then how Adam is going to have to uh, struggle to toil the land to support, you know, the family um, as a male. So they both get their curses as a male and a female. But, you know, at that time, you know, we go forever in the Bible without there being hardly any other commandments up until... Exodus 20. Like, we go pretty much the whole book of Genesis. Um, there were things that happen where God comes and commands people to do stuff. Um, but it doesn't sound like there were a whole lot of commandments in the beginning, which is an interesting thing to me. So pre-enslavement, there wasn't really a lot of instruction on what to do. Um, I mean, there were instructions on what to do, like how to build the ark and how to, you know, different stuff like that. But as far as like what people were to do on the day to day, I don't think there's really too much information about that to my recollection. 
most of that comes after they flee from Egypt um, out of slavery into the wilderness at Mount Sinai. This is like generations later they could they receive the Ten Commandments. This is generations later they receive the commandments. And even that generation that receives the commandments, most of that older generation dies wandering in the desert for 40 years. And so after the Exodus, there's a whole lot of commandments that start coming out in the book of Exodus. You know, once they get established, um, or once they're still in the in the wilderness and they're wandering around there's all these now laws and measurements about the 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 tents and the sacrificing and Leviticus and all this other stuff like there's so much going on all the way to Deuteronomy when they get to the land of Canaan and Moses doesn't get to see it because he broke the rule I don't know if it I'd have to go back and read it and see if it says he broke the rule Or if people just say, because he struck the rock, he didn't get to see the actual land. Uh, Because he he struck the rock out of frustration. Um, So, you know, that to me is already an interesting kind of detail that I never really noticed until now that there was there really weren't that many commandments you know there were some but it wasn't like a lot like from Exodus 20 and on there are tons and tons of commandments being added more and more and more instructions um, all through you know the the first five books of the Bible. So many commandments. But there really weren't that many commandments in the beginning. Um, so it's that's one thing that's interesting to me, how people say, you know, okay, God's never going to change the commandments and things because it's like, well, it sounds like they were changed to go to more strict so when a lot of Christians have this um, explanation of you know how the commandments got less strict with Jesus because that's that sounds like what Jesus was saying he wasn't necessarily saying don't follow the commandments I mean if you want to do it do it kind of thing but he was saying you know what he was teaching about wasn't the yoke of the Pharisees. You know, he wasn't making a law around the law to have, like, you know, that fence around around the commandments. Kind of how Eve said, you know, don't go near the tree. Don't even touch it. It's like, well, saying don't eat something, saying don't, versus saying don't touch it or go near it, those are two different things. Because you can still touch something and be near it and not eat from it. But you can't eat from something necessarily if you're not touching it or going near it. It'll make it so you won't be near it. But 
the serpent was placed there, right? So, if the serpent was placed there, who God already knew was crafty, right? Why would the certain serpent be placed there? You know? Like, what was it just supposed to stay at the tree of knowledge of good and evil forever? And Adam and Eve stay all over the rest of the garden forever. And they're never going to get curious. You know? Um, there must have been a purpose to it. Because everything else, it seems like, was pretty intentional. Right? God created all of this stuff. The very last thing he creates are the humans. And the very last thing he puts in the garden is that serpent. So, those are kind of some early questions and just some early kind of like overview of kind of what we see of God in the Bible, you know, versus what the mainstream shows us and teaches us. Sometimes it doesn't seem clear. Like, I feel like with people who believe in God, there's often, like, these two camps. There's the one camp that is follow everything in the Bible to the T. Usually that's the Jewish group. Follow everything in the Bible to the T. As far as all the commandments, they all are still valid. There's certain stuff we can't really do really legally in a lot of places, like sacrificing and things. But other than that, everything else needs to be done. And then there's the other camp that's kind of more towards, um, you know, don't, don't, um, I don't know what the, what the, what it would be called. Don't, you don't have to follow all the commandments. It's just, you know, um, love God and love your neighbor as yourself because all the all the commandments hang on these um, and that the law was done away with by Jesus uh, death and sacrifice um, because when he was on the cross he said it, it is finished people take that to mean that everything he did was to make it so we are no longer under the yoke of the commandments now Jesus seemed in his time on earth to already be saying that we're no longer under that that heavy yoke that the Pharisees were uh, talking about like oh you know they picked grain on the Sabbath or, um, you know, this per like catching people in the act of adultery. There was that one, uh, story about the lady being caught in the act of adultery. It's like, well, she's not being caught by herself being adulterous. Like there's gotta be another person there, right? She's not, what is she doing? If she's being caught in the act of adultery by herself, like she wasn't masturbating or touching herself. I'm not saying that's even adultery, but she wasn't doing that. She was with 
another human being that was some guy. So she gets in trouble, but he doesn't get in trouble. You know, they're trying to stone her to death for sleeping with some guy that they caught her with. Now, the question is, how did they catch her? Why is she the only one being punished here? And they probably knew what she was doing. It was probably jealousy. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. And I don't know this for sure. This is just my brain guessing at things. In that time period, if you didn't have a son or a man who was your husband or a father or an older brother or uncle or someone to take care of you that was trusted and helpful. Like if you had a toxic family or if you had no trusted males or no living trusted males in your family and you're a woman and you're not an old woman. I mean, none of these people were that old. They were probably living to like their 50s or something, 60s, 50s. So she was probably in her 20s, maybe her 30s, maybe her 40s. She probably wasn't that old. Um, She was probably between, you know, the age 13 to like 40 something, which is not that old. Um, So she was probably a young woman if she's I'm, I'm assuming that she is possibly providing services for money sexual services for money because she had no other way to make money usually people who are doing those types of jobs aren't doing it necessarily because they're like i just love my line of work this is what i always wanted to do since i was a kid i wanted to be into prostitution i don't think most people want that risk i mean some people might want to be sex workers of some kind but to go into like an exploitative field like prostitution or something like that i mean she probably wasn't sleeping with guys for fun especially if it's punishable by death like that's a pretty a pretty high price to pay you know unless you're really that sexually in need or whatever but i feel like most people aren't really going to get to that level where they if it's punishable by death they'll probably just figure it out for themselves by themselves they're not going to like go and like find somebody to risk their life with somebody so they probably knew where she was going or who she was going to be with or she got tricked into being with somebody that told someone else the time location or whatever it it was a setup it sounds like it was kind of a setup and there's probably a reason why she was doing it she probably wasn't just doing it just because cuz i don't know i know people who have gone into different forms of sex work and worked in those types of atmospheres where they were being exploited and i don't know any of them who enjoyed it they're not proud of what they do necessarily they're not like sharing it with everybody um i mean they've told me about it but i mean like probably because they knew I didn't really look down on them because of it they just told me because like I don't know why they just decided to tell me and you know as long as people are safe and not in in the face of threats you know I'm usually gonna be fine for them like okay like you do you you know um but 
you know, take those types of examples, you know, the Pharisees, all the leaders wanted to stone this lady to death. Uh, one of the forms of stoning is pretty graphic. I mean, stoning is graphic. When you think of it, how long does it take to have rocks and stones cast at your head as you're buried in the sand, unable to move, and having basically almost like somebody throwing bricks at your head? A whole community of people throwing bricks at you? How long would it take you to die? I mean, you've seen people get beaten by a bat or something, and that's, like, direct. And unless somebody's really, like, aiming at the spine or the head or some, like, major organ that's going to cause fast internal bleeding, a lot of times people aren't going to die immediately. Like, that's a, that is a, is a, it's a death that you're likely not going to die in one blow, you're likely going to die over the course of experiencing multiple things hit you while you're helpless to defend yourself. So nobody wants to die like that. You know, like most people, if you know you're going to have to die, get it over with quick. I don't want to be tortured to death. Nobody wants to be tortured. That's a form of torture, right? And so who would agree to be tortured or risk being tortured just to sleep with somebody? I mean, the way people make it assumed is that, oh, she was doing this for fun, and she was liking this, and she was being like, ooh, like, I'm sexy, I want people to kind of, like, come over to me, and the status of it is why she was doing it. I don't really think that. I think in a cultural context, if that type of activity is punishable by stoning by death punishable by torture I mean there are a lot of other ways you can kind of get your needs met so I don't really think she was doing it um, for fun or pleasure even I think she was probably doing it out of necessity because she needed money it was probably her trade because she had nobody else usually people in those circumstances don't have anybody who can help them out so they go to what is going to get them independence um, and a lot of money um, even though it's at the risk of their own maybe their own health, their own emotions their own reputation I'm not judging them, I'm just saying most people aren't going to do that on purpose so you know, Jesus wasn't trying to stone her to death you know he wrote something in the sand and her accusers walked away none of them stoned her so whatever that was all about you know when you see the examples of Jesus yes it was in their commandments to kill a person who was in in adultery he didn't try to kill them he didn't say oh yeah this is right the commandments say that kill her he actually just wrote in the sand whatever he wrote made it so that they didn't want to kill her anymore they were leaving right a lot of people say that he was writing their sins down in the sand 
who knows, but it just says he knelt down and started writing in the sand. And that means he was literate. He could write. He was writing to people who could read. Not everybody could read. Not everybody was literate. So that's specifically to a population of learned people that he was writing to in the sand. So it seems like it was like a class war kind of thing. The haves versus the have-nots. I mean, this is how I think about things. When I read them, I try to look at them from multiple angles. And I'm like, what might have really been happening here? And you see that multiple times where there is a commandment where Jesus is like, okay, it's unlawful to pick grain on the Sabbath or to do this on the Sabbath or to do that on the Sabbath or to do this. It's unlawful to, you know, commit adultery. It's unlawful to do this other thing. And he was not condemning people. Like there were people who he was like, sin no more or like, don't do whatever the heck it was that they were doing. He would tell them not to do it anymore. But other than that, most of the time he was just combating these you know evil religious leaders who were i mean i'm not saying every religious leader is evil i'm just saying he was he was against them he was against these evil religious leaders and since he was against them you know at everything they said it's kind of like okay if christians take after jesus and jesus wasn't condemning of all these things that you know according to the law people were clearly breaking these laws these commandments that are in the bible they were clearly breaking them and he would have a comeback to protect the people. So part of me thinks, okay, he kept the commandments himself. And another part of me thinks he also stood up for the people who weren't keeping the commandments and he wasn't always condemning them and wasn't always like saying, don't do it again. He kind of had his method of taking care of things and arguing and debating with these evil people um you know he never said don't follow the commandments but he was also saying you know you know my my yoke is easy my burden is light you know like you know i learned about that somebody taught about it about you know a yoke i've talked about it before when two oxen are together and one of them is newer and being trained you put them together with a yoke you've seen how they put the yoke around the neck it's basically you know you put them both together so that the new one can learn from the trained ox what to do so the ox goes around to the left the other ox will follow if there's like a command to go do this other thing then the new ox will follow and that's kind of how you know um rabbis in that time you know they would have a yoke not physically a yoke but a yoke 
where the disciples or the followers of that rabbi would follow to the T everything that that rabbi does. And when Jesus talked about the yoke of the Pharisees, it's like, imagine if you were closely connected by the neck to somebody who had a heavy burden, you know, on them. And you had to take on that heavy burden to yourself to learn their method of living life and doing the right thing. You'd have to basically be stuck with somebody that you're learning from that is very, very harsh, puts a lot of burdens, a lot of pressure. Does that not sound like what the church teaches about about hell and all that kind of thing? About, you know, if you break this tradition, you know, if on the Sabbath you buy gasoline, if on Easter Sunday you eat this wrong food, if you don't recognize Jesus on Christmas, or if you don't, you know, if you get cut off in an accident, uh, or if you get cut off on the freeway and you accidentally shout out profanity, if you were to get killed in a car accident without having confessed your sins, you're going to go to hell. That's the message that we're usually taught, right? But I wonder, is that really what the message was meant to be? Because if you see how Jesus had followers because his teachings were easy, he wasn't trying to burden down everybody. He was just like, practice love, heal people, you know, do good, you know. Um, He had the Beatitudes, you know. Uh, Blessed are the meek, like blessed are these, all these types of people that usually aren't seen as like the higher up types of people that everybody wants to be with their egos. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Nobody wants to be poor in spirit. You know, nobody wants to be downtrodden and have no money and have nothing. Nobody wants that for themselves or for somebody that they love. But Jesus called them blessed, right? So, you know, you know, I've studied quite a bit, you know, especially over summer about about advertising, right? And for the most part... Most churches, as well as other religions, most churches are a business, meaning that there's a monetary interest. There's a monetary interest by the pastors, by any kind of staff that might be getting paid. The interest is that they need people because the more people they have, the more money they can potentially get if you have a church with five members versus a church with five thousand members when that tithing and offering comes around it's very unlikely that the five people church is gonna pay is gonna give more money than you know than the than the five um thousand people church now there can be exceptions you know say the five people church everybody gives a thousand dollars 
and that church has a thousand dollars now and the five thousand people church everybody doesn't even give one dollar they give less than a dollar they give 50 cents that church has twenty five hundred dollars versus the five people church that has five thousand dollars something like that is possible it's not very likely but it's possible but usually when you have more members you're going to have more money if everybody's giving 10%, you should have more money. Um, who knows what the offerings would add up to be. But if everyone's giving a 10% tithe, technically you'd have more members. People get taught about tithe in the Bible, but reminded about it on a regular basis every single time they go to church. Um, there's a, there's an offering call every week that kind of encourages people to give. Sometimes it guilts people into giving. Sometimes it, um, encourages people to be generous and motivates them, right? There's different approaches, but the approach where it comes to people coming to church, this is an approach I don't. I don't necessarily like that the church uses is a sales approach of using the concept of fear to advertise a message and you see this time and time again where the church uses the fear of hell to get people to keep coming back because you need to learn how to how to you know avoid hell you need to practice avoiding hell. You need to... Nobody wants to go to hell. <laughs> like, I don't know anybody who wants to go to hell. And so, everyone's kind of taught how to not have to deal with hell. Um, everyone's kind of encouraged to do or not do certain things. And you learn these at church. So how are you going to know what to not do, how to not go to hell if you don't go to church? You know, you have to go there to learn. Because every church is different and they're going to teach you different things. So you have to learn what that church specifically says. Because every church says we're the closest to the truth. We have the actual real truth. So if you're going to those other guys next door or down the street or across town... You're going to be led astray. They don't know the truth. You might be at more risk of hell if you go to that church down the street. You need to come to this church. So you go and you have church and they, you know, promote fear to keep you coming back. You know, to keep you away from other churches, to keep you away from other denominations, from other religions. You know, if you join another religion, you're you're definitely going to go to hell because they don't believe the same things. And they usually believe just enough wrong stuff that you're going to go to hell if you if you if you start doing those things. If you're a Christian and you become Muslim, then you no longer believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and is the trinity and part of god so therefore you will you will burn in hell these are the messages we're kind of taught and i'm making an extreme version of it but to some extent i'm not being extreme to some extent some of these religions teach this way exactly this is exactly how they teach
Um, so, I guess the last point I wanted to touch on was, you know, the advertising aspect, the fear advertisement. Fear is used in marketing to get the attention of people to buy into a product. Now, the church, not all churches, but the churches that are a business need members to buy into their product so that they can pay tithe, pay offerings, and the church will continue. I'm not saying people shouldn't pay tithes and offerings. I'm not saying people shouldn't go to church. But a lot of times, the message might be a tricky message to get you to commit to staying at that church more, bringing more people to that church, more of your friends, more visitors, get trying to get in more members so that that church can have more money. They don't give the money back to the members. Some churches are very generous, you know, they put more money into their programs and you see them like having more money for for outreach and more money for homeless ministries and more money for teaching ministries like having a tutoring service or a computer repair service or a service for elderly seniors how they can get together and not be lonely or a service for you know meals on wheels or a service for you know transportation uh to get people around shopping during the week like any kind of random little little thing that can be of help to people in the community a lot of churches will only help their own community you have to be a member of their church or somehow committed for them to even help you i experienced this when i went to the rock church there was an old lady who was my client who needed help moving i was not allowed with my job to help her move There was nobody that we could find that would help her move for free. She had a family member that, you know, left her in high anxiety because they never really fully responded to her messages. And so she wasn't sure if she was going to be able to move out on time because there was some furniture that she needed help moving that one of her strong male younger uh, family members was going to help her move her nephew or something. Um, and he would never respond. And so she had to wait till the day of. So before this, I call the church because I'm like, okay, they have a lot of services. So I go on their website and they have this type of service where they help people move. They ask me, has this lady been to these? Like they had these kind of like this kind of like uh, service. I don't know what you call it. It was like after church there were like let's call it three weeks four weeks where you were supposed to be going to kind of turn your life around they had this kind of service where you would have to have to go to that to start being part of like either consider if you want to be a member of the church or to be able to be involved in the church more you had to go to those three four meetings whatever they were called so they asked is she a member of the church? And I'm like, no. And they ask, well, are 
you a member? Did you go to these meetings? You know, have you been attending? I was like, well, I've gone to the church, but I don't really go to these other meetings. For those reasons, they would not help this elderly lady, even though they had the services available to help her. They didn't want to help. They're like, well, if you're not going to engage in our church the way that we need you to engage in it. They didn't say it like that, but that's pretty much what they meant. Because you're not going to these meetings, that means that you have this level of commitment. And it wasn't a lot of meetings. It would have been like 45 minutes after church or something like that for like three consecutive Sundays or something like that. It's like it's like classes you have to take to like be at this different level at the church. Like you could just go and just go and never go to those. Um, you could just go to church, go to go to the meals, go to all the events and never be part of that. But if you wanted to actually do more or be recognized more or have some kind of standing or something, you have to at least do those first. So because she hadn't done those and I hadn't done those, they didn't have to help us. They didn't feel like they needed to help someone who needed help. I mean... I understand it, but I've also been a part of churches that don't care if people are coming to their church and they will go out and they'll provide free dental, you know, dental tests, free vision exams, free blood pressure tests, you know, connect people with, you know, health services, free like vouchers to like a a meal, like a food kitchen kind of thing and just you know maybe like a free thing to like a a clothing a clothing place where you can get like you know some free clothes or free toiletries or whatever they would provide this and they weren't saying oh if you're not a member we can't give you this or here's a business card you need to come to our church you know, like, yeah, we wore the t-shirts or whatever, like, there there was some representation of where the people were from, but there was no pressure, it's like, you can still come here and get food at the food bank once a month, you don't have to be a member of this church, the food bank is at the church, you don't even have to come into the service, you know, most of the people who went to the food bank never went to the service, so, you know, that's just kind of how how it is and um that was the experience that that most of us you know that most of us kind of have but you know when it comes to businesses when it comes to you know someone who has a business model who's looking for money I kind of worry that that's going to cloud the message you know and it's been like that for a long time that people want power people want money and so they'll say what they need to say to keep in power and to keep everyone else inferior and to get the money that's very possible that a lot of these these churches do that There are good churches out there. There are good people out there. There are good leaders out there. But I would caution people to pay attention to some of these messages. Because when you look at the Bible, 
it doesn't always say exactly what what some of the leaders say that it says um they interpret it one way and it sounds really good just kind of how the serpent interpreted or reinterpreted and misinterpreted and tricked Eve you know did God really say that did God really say that you that you that you can't come near this tree did God really say that you can't come near this he didn't he did you know he knows that if you if you eat this you'll become like him and you'll know good and evil it's a trick it's a lie you know how many how many people are using those serpent methods how many people are using those serpent methods you know if there's not love attached to it if there's not concern not concern out of the fear of you're going to burn an eternal hellfire but concern for your well-being right now do they care about you now do they care that you had a good day do they care that you're that you're struggling with you know with the stress of you know what religion can place on people you know are they helping you with the stress or are they making you feel worse are they giving you any kind of hope are they showing any love or are they making you feel worse you know what's actually happening what's actually happening um you know i really encourage people to look at what's actually happening um why they're saying the the things the way that they're saying them cuz that's important you know you know any business is going to have a motivation to make money and you know i don't think it's really like wrong for people to make money but you know some of these some of these people do things wrong they say things wrong they know that they're wrong i'm asking questions i don't really know um but it's something i was kind of thinking about earlier i was like you know what what do i think about these topics you know what kind of questions do come up those are usually the ones that come up right now are you know are people portraying you know the accurate um information about what god wants from people um it doesn't seem like early in the bible god really had a lot of demands even after adam and eve ate the fruit there didn't seem to be that many demands like they were cast out of the garden of eden um things did happen but he wasn't like okay because you ate from this fruit here's a whole list of every commandment you know that you have to now follow all these rules like no they went on for generations and generations i don't even know how many generations it was you know before moses was even born um because in moses youth his people were already in captivity or going into captivity but you know it's it's complicated you know um 
you know, I'd like to know the answer. I don't really know the answer, but I'd like to know the answer. Um, but I don't know what you guys think. Uh, do you think, you know, people have, do you believe in hell? Do you believe in heaven? Do you believe in God even? Do you think that people need to follow all the commandments and all the traditions of the church? Do you think people need to follow the commandments as the Jews follow the commandments? Do you think people will go to hell if they don't follow them all or repent for not following them all? Do you think people will... Um, do you think God takes an approach similar to how Jesus was like, you know, just like, okay, sin no more. You don't need to be stoned to death. You don't need to be ridiculed. You don't need to be, uh, put to shame. You don't need to be, um... you know, hated on or stuck with all the fear, you can rest assured that you know what you believe and you're in communion with God and God tells you what to do. Um, Think about it. Some food for thought for the weekend. Uh, But that's it for now. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 